Good morning. So my name is Mike Farley, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, I've been part of Vintage, well, I've been part of Vintage for quite a long time. Uh, Gone for four years, but never forgotten, Um, because I harass Steve as often as I can. Um, I love this body. And I'm going to tell you why I love this body really briefly is, so I play around with a lot of things. Like, I love motorcycles, right? And I play around with motorcycles. I love cars. Kind of play around with cars. They're a lot more expensive than motorcycles. I like football. I play around with football. Ask me too many questions about any one of these subjects, and I'm going to go, because I'm just playing. Like, I enjoy it, but it doesn't get my attention that much. I'm just playing. But the thing I don't play with is God. I don't play with God. I don't play with Jesus. I don't play with the Holy Spirit. I don't play with the Father. And what I was reminded of this morning is I'm sitting here, and and Aaron, my gosh, save some for later, man. Good golly, brother. I'm sitting there crying, and I'm like, i got to stand in front of all these people. I need to put some of this back. But what I was reminded of is y'all aren't playing either. And that's what makes Vintage 242 what Vintage 242 is, is you're not playing. You're serious about this. So I am very excited. Steve, last week, spoke on Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, and he left me one verse. (laughs) But that's okay. I've been practicing, and I've got it under 72 minutes. So we're okay. We're going to be all right, everybody. We're going to recap. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We, too, all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive together with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace together with Christ Jesus. He also raised us up and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not from work so that no one can boast. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. The word of the Lord. So last week, Pastor Steve walked us through 1 through 9. We looked at grace. And we looked at uh, specifically the importance of remembering. We looked at how memories can fade and how we can forget our passions. We can forget victories. And we can forget the tests that we've taken and take them again and again. We looked at how we are to remember grace, how grace is freely given to those who do not deserve it and cannot earn it. That is by nature what grace is. It is only given to those who cannot do anything to receive it. We looked at how we're called to live by grace and how grace empowers us for us. Grace empowers us to be the people that we desire to be. Grace empowers us to to live the life that we want to live and how grace empowers us for others. How we're able to then give grace away to others because of the grace that God has given to us. That it becomes this thing that we become a channel where grace flows through us towards other people. The way I summed it up from my own notes is we work from God's grace 
in God's grace and by God's grace. Everything that we do as children of God comes from that place of grace. So this week we're going to look at Ephesians 2.10, specifically just this one verse. I'm going to read it for us again. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. There's a, a translation I like called the James Moffat translation, and it's, it's an older translation, early 1900s, I think. Um, and he had written it to kind of bring the, the Bible into more of an easier-to-understand language. Now, we have a lot of these translations today, and a lot of them are good. This one I really like, and here's how James Moffat translated Ephesians 2.10. God has made us what we are, creating us in Christ Jesus for the good deeds which are prepared beforehand by God as our sphere of action. It's a sphere of action that God has created for us to walk in. So I think a, a good place to start, a good question is, what are the good works? What is this sphere of action? But we can't get there too soon because we have to differentiate between a sphere of action, the good works that God created for us, and basic Christian responsibilities. Because these things are separated. They're, they're, this, they're similar, but they're separated at the same time. Because as Christians, we have some basic responsibilities, things that we do, ways that we live because we belong to Jesus Christ. Primarily two things. We love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the first thing that we are called to do. That is the first commandment God gives to people, but outside of his power, you can't do that thing. That is a basic lifestyle as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And second is to love your neighbor as yourself, which sometimes we do and do not desire to do. depends on who's playing on Saturday. These are just basic things that we do, right? These aren't like, you can't say, oh, today I loved God with all my heart. I did my good work. No, that's just what you're called to do. That's like, I wake my wife up in the morning and I give her a kiss, right? Because I like to kiss her. It's not like some amazing thing. She's my wife. What we're talking about is, is to look to the good works that God has prepared for us to do. To look at our sphere of action is a call from God to a call to intimacy with him. And we have to be careful because we can look at this and this can become condemning and it can become a cross as something where it's like, oh, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. But that's not at all what it is. It's a call to an intimate relationship with God. When we desire the good works that God has prepared for us, when we desire those, when we push deep into our relationship with God, it's a call to move into intimacy with God. Because that's where we find out what these things are. Because they're created by God. Matthew 11.30, Jesus says, my, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We are yoked to Jesus. If you're not familiar with what yoking is, it's a farming term. And what they would do is they'd take like a young ox, you know, a little, not a baby baby, but a young one who didn't really know what he was doing, and they would yoke it. They would connect it to a larger, mature ox who knew how to work the ground. Now, this, this large, mature ox would walk the line that he's supposed to walk. And beside him is this younger one who doesn't want to but has to because it's connected to the one in charge. 
That is our relationship with the Messiah, is we are yoked to him. We are connected to him. So as we're doing good works, as we're doing these different things, as we're doing our basic Christian responsibilities, what we're doing is we're being dragged along by Jesus. And sometimes it feels like dragging. But other times we catch those moments, those glimpses where we're like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then Jesus turns a little bit and you go, I wasn't doing it. (laughs) But he does that for us. We are yoked to him. We walk as he walks, as 1 John says. We're doing what the king does because we are yoked to him, not because there's some great thing in us. Yusuf Kucharaki, a Nigerian theologian, got a great commentary. He talks about it this way. The more we receive the work of grace, the more fruit the Holy Spirit enables us to bear in terms of good works. These works will bring God glory, honor, and praise. We do what we do because God is who he is. And we can never forget that our good works come out of being in Christ, not to be in Christ. Right? We do things out of our being. My wife tells me, not so much anymore. I'm starting to get better at it. She says, we are human beings, not human doings, because I'm a doer. And she reminds me of this, but it's true. Anything that we do as a follower of God is because by God's grace we are in him. And so we do these things out of our being in God. So I'm going to give you the three things that I think help us find our sphere of action. Steve, could you throw me a water, please? If you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Oh, I do this often. Oh, yeah. Whew, strong stuff. Okay. It's holy water. Okay, so what are our... Good golly. sphere of action. I'm going to get there, I promise. Okay, there's three things I think we can look at to help learn what our sphere of action is, what our good works, and I love the language sphere of action because it tells us a few things. One, it tells us that it's a sphere. It's a place that we belong. It's a thing that was created for us to dwell inside of and us to work out of. So what are our good works? How do we find them? I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give them to you up front if you're taking notes. One, what is the call of the local body of Christ you are connected to? What is the call of the local body of Christ you are connected to? Two, it is usually, and if you're taking notes, underline that word, usually, not divorced from your past and history. And number three, press into the Holy Spirit. So number one, what is the the call of the local body of Christ you are connected to? When we look at the first part of verse 10, what does it say? For we, everybody say we. Wow. Everybody say we. We. Thank you. Because it's we. We are God's handiwork. Created for the good works that he has destined for us to do. The good works, there are good works that you are called to because of some other things that we're going to look at in just a second here. But first and foremost, we cannot forget that we are the body of Christ. We are the handiwork of God. So if Vintage 242 is your home, then part of your sphere of action is is the works that vintage does plain and simple i'm going to give this an example we're going to look at the bible so you can understand i'm not making this up 
It is important to remember that we are the body of Christ. So if you're ever wondering, like, well, what should I be doing? And if you're watching online and you're in Minnesota and you belong to a church there, or if you're here visiting and you're just out of town, when you go back home, the church that you belong to, the good works that God has called that local body to, is part of your sphere of action. Because we are the body of Christ. So foster care. And sometimes that's said and people go, I can't foster. And I get it. I'm not in a position where I can do that right now either. My house and my time are maxed out. But there are still things you can do. Because foster care is something that this church has been called to participate in and minister to, just like the defects breakfast. If you made a casserole, you participated in the sphere of action that this church is called to. If you, if you volunteer for Parents Night Out, then you're participating in that sphere. Uh, missions trips. If you went on one of the Scotland's, uh, Scotland missions trips, you participated in the sphere of action that Vintage is called to. To be part of a church is to be part of the sphere of action that church is called to, but trusting that the leadership has heard from God and that you've had conversations with them to understand what that body of Christ is doing. Things like giving. You give to the church that you belong to because you are connected to the mission of that church. Giving is not always easy. I get paid once a month now, which has been an awkward way to like adjust my finances, and I'm still not doing it very well. I hold on to my tithe check for an extra week until the Holy Spirit's like, you going to let this go now? And I'm like, yeah, just wait until I had time. It doesn't mean it's easy. It means that's what you're called to. That is your sphere of action. Acts 6 is a wonderful example of this. In Acts 6, what we see is there's the church in Jerusalem, and they had kind of like a food ministry going on. Uh, But there were some who were feeling left out. The Hellenistic Jews didn't feel like their widows were getting the same portions as everybody else. So there started to creep up this division in the church. The church had this thing going on, and then some divisions started creeping in. But the church, the leaders looked at it, decided to deal with it head on, attack the problem, and they appointed seven men to serve and help rectify this problem. These seven men were already doing the things they were supposed to be doing, but they were selected to go and join the larger sphere of action this church had going on. What we see as the result of this is that the church grew. When the people of the church connected their their action to the action of the church, the church grew, and it says that even some of the priests came to faith because the church was doing its job, and the people were connected to that ministry and mission. So what is the call of the local body of Christ you are connected to? There is part of your sphere of action. Second, it's usually not divorced from your past and your history. It's usually not divorced from your past and your history. These are some of the things that you were specifically called to. Things that because of your past, things because of your history, you are uniquely gifted to serve in certain areas. You are uniquely gifted to reach certain people. You are uniquely gifted to have a burden for certain things. I'm going to read some verses from uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Helechiah, during the month of Chislev in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned him about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. 
They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and distress. Jerusalem's walls have been broken down and its gates have been burned. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant to those who love him and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your, your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins that we have committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted corruptly towards you and not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances you gave to your servant Moses. Nehemiah was, was living somewhere else, but he was connected to Jerusalem. That was his past. That was his family. That was his history. That's where he's from. And he was broken because of the news that he had heard. He heard these words, and it says it caused him to just weep for days because that was his people. His past, his family, he was connected to it, so it affected him. And he was moved to action because of that. And he had an amazing sphere of action because of that. So when we're trying to look at what our good works could be, look at what our sphere of action might be, we have to ask him, just look at our past. Because if you've been homeless or struggled with, with housing, maybe you're called to minister to people in similar situations. Have you had financial issues? Maybe you're called to help minister to those who have financial issues. Have you been divorced? Maybe you're called not just to minister to others who have been divorced, but to minister to those who are struggling in their marriage to help them avoid pain that they might experience. Have you struggled with receiving discipleship? Maybe you're called to disciple. Did you have a rough childhood? Did you know that in your teen years, you knew that you should go to church, you knew who God was, but you just let yourself get all pulled away to different things? Maybe you're called to minister to teens. Look to your past, and you're going to find clues, things that God has brought you through that might give you insight into what your sphere of action is, things that you are connected to. Now, I want to give a disclaimer with this one. Because there are some things that God has brought you through in your life that you are not to return to. We must be careful with that. There are some things in your life that God has brought you through that, that he has delivered you from, he's brought you from, but he doesn't want you going anywhere near those things anymore. Because he knows that you're, you're, you're easily tempted to fall into certain things. So I say it's usually not divorced from your past. But the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and we're going to get to that in just a second. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and let you know sometimes, yes, the answer is you know what you need to do. You know you're looking at your past, you're thinking of it right now, and you're like, but I don't want to. And God's going, I didn't ask you if you wanted to. But there are other things where you look back and you go, I feel guilty. I feel condemned that I should be doing, that I should be involved in that. That's God going, no, that's not for me. If you feel condemnation, that's not the Holy Spirit. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, I'd put that in a box and move it somewhere else. 2 Corinthians 1 4 says, He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God has comforted you in your life, and He expects you, He expects you to use that comfort to comfort others. Lastly, we press into the Holy Spirit. 
We press into the Holy Spirit. What is the, lo- what is the body, what is the local body of Christ you are connected to doing? What is in your past and your history that you might be able to do? And thirdly, we press into the Holy Spirit. Because there are times where there are things that you have no connection to that God gives you a burden for. John fourteen twenty six, Jesus says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit is a comfort and a guide. And he can and does reveal things to us that need to be important to us. In the book of Ruth, uh, it's a fantastic book. If you've never read it, this lady Ruth, it's named after her, spoiler alert, uh, she's a Moabite. And she, uh, she's married to an Israelite. He dies. Her brother-in-law dies. Her father-in-law dies. All that's left is Naomi, who's an Israelite, and her sister-in-law, Opal, I think. O- Opus? Opal. I always want to say Op- Oprah, and I know that's not right. <laughs> Oprah's not in the Bible. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know if I did that right. Uh, anyway, Oprah's not in the Bible. Anyway, so, uh, so what happens is they're leaving Moab. And they're going back to Israel because Naomi's like, I can't stay here. There's nothing for me here. And she's like, oh, my daughter-in-laws, you should stay with your people. And Opal's like, no, but I love you. And Naomi's like, no, stay. And so she's like, okay. And so she stays. And then Ruth turns to her and goes, no, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. We don't see Ruth praying to God for guidance in this situation, but do you really think anyone other than the Holy Spirit could convict someone to do something like this? Sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he's God. He does not ask our permission. He does not need to ask your permission. He puts this burden on Ruth, and from Ruth we see Jesus coming later on. Because she was obedient to the the pressure that was put on her by God, whether or not she knew it was God doing it. Ruth's new mission in life, her new purpose in life was to be connected to Naomi, her people, and their God. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, but he's also a guide. He awakens things in us that we've never desired before. When my daughter Gracie was little, I don't know how little, Nine, ten, eight—I don't remember. No, it's nothing bad. She, uh, she like a lot of little girls. She loved Paris. Oh, Betty, I love Paris. And she had Paris bedspreads and Paris this and Paris that. And I was like, Bleh. never wanted to go to France. I had no desire whatsoever. I actually wanted to go to Germany. Um, long story short, God opened a door, and we ended up going to France for a couple of months. It was a life-changing experience for me, and broke me. There's part of me that constantly desires to return to France. Not so much Paris. Paris is one of those cities. When you visit, you leave. But France, and and weirdly, not just the French people. It's actually immigrants who live in France who are so heavy on our hearts. But that's something that God had to do. I had no connection to it before. But he opened a door. We walked through in obedience. And now we have a burden for something we had no connection to. Because he's God all by himself. Acts 13, verses 1 and 2 says, In the church that was in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Cyrenian, 
Manineh, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Barnabas and Saul were called by the Holy Spirit to the work the Holy Spirit had prepared for them. But before he called them, they were ministering to the Lord. Before he called them, they were doing the work they were supposed to be doing. Before they called, before the Holy Spirit called them, they were fasting and praying and seeking the will of God. And the Holy Spirit went, finally, you're paying attention to what I have, and you're open to hearing from me, so come do the work that I have called you to do. Paul was a Jew, and he loved the Jewish people. He loved the Israelites. Every city he went into, the first thing he did was, where's the synagogue? Okay, I'm going to the synagogue. And he preached in the synagogue, and everybody was like, eh. So he's like, fine. He preached to the, uh, the Gentiles. Those were not his people. Paul repeatedly says, I would give my own life if the Israelites would come to faith. That was his past. That was his connection. The work the Holy Spirit called him to was something totally different. And he was obedient from the, the call from Paul and from the work that he does, we have the book of Ephesians. We have the book of Titus that we're going to be looking at. Now, we're not going to write the Bible. If at any point you think, I think I should add a book to the Bible, you're wrong. We're just going to settle that right here and now. But the same way the Apostle Paul had to press into the Holy Spirit to hear what God had for him is the same way that you and I do. The same way that Jesus not to chose, chose not to rely on his divinity so often, but instead said, I need to go and pray and spend all night with the Father to discern before I call my disciples, is the same way we have to do that. We press in to God. We press into the Holy Spirit, and he reveals things to us. Now, how do we press into the Holy Spirit? I want to give you uh, four quick things that I think will be very helpful. First is worship, regular times of worship. Now, this morning was fantastic, but if you're only worshiping on a Sunday morning, you're missing like 200 other possibilities to worship. And worship is not just singing. Right, worship is not just singing. I can't sing. I was talking to Matt Rollins the other day. He's like, uh, are you a musician? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I want to be. I've got a bunch of musical instruments, but I can't play and I can't sing. I just like to spend money on things, I guess. Like, I want to, but I can't. That's not a gifting that God has for me. I've asked him over and over again, Lord, help me sing. And then I try, and I sound like, has anybody watched Thor, the new one, Screaming Goats? That's kind of what I sound like. Like Aaron this morning said, God just wants to hear you. And I'm like, I don't know that he wants to hear me, Aaron. But I appreciate it. <laughs> That's just not a gifting that I have. So I turn it up loud, or I turn noise cancellation on when I've got my headphones in so I can't hear myself, and everybody else can suffer. But regular times of worship, worship is seeing God for who he is, seeing him like Isaiah did and the, the, ro the majesty of his robe filling the temple and, and walking into God's throne room as, as the Bible tells us that we can and going to the mercy seat and saying, oh my God, I'm undone. Looking at him and seeing who he is with all of his mighty and splendor and majesty to the point where it, it like pushes you to your knees and you're like, Oh, why do you even put up with me? 
that's also part of worship. Praying. Regular times of prayer. My prayer life lately has been a disaster. Just, we're so busy. And we just moved back, I think, four months now? Three months? Four months? Three months. We're finally starting to get to the point of... Now, I said this to somebody else. I feel like Steve says these words all the time of healthy rhythms. And maybe it's just he says it to me a lot because he knows I don't have them. We're finally starting to get to the point where we're getting into some healthy rhythms in life. Enough to where if, we, if something's off, we start to notice it. So this is good. But we're starting to get into that, which means I can get into regular times of prayer. But if you're not comfortable with prayer, like let's, let's say you're new to the faith. Let's say last week as, as Steve was preaching, you felt the Holy Spirit come upon you and you surrendered your life to Jesus. If so, congratulations. Welcome to the family. If you're not one for prayer and you're like, I don't know how to pray. I don't understand how to pray. We're going to walk through a little exercise together because we family. So if you've got a Bible, open up your Bible to Psalm 23. If you're using the Bible app and you're like me and don't want to lose your place, just open up a web browser and search Psalm 23. It doesn't matter what translation you're using because we're not going to read out loud. I'm going to read. We're going to follow along together. You find it. I'm going to take another sip of water. Quick, super fast lesson on prayer. Okay. We're going to take one verse at a time. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. I'm reading from the HCSB. Hardcore Christian Standard Bible. Um, The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. Here's Here's how if you're new to prayer, you can really get into this. Or if you've never done it, it's fun too. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. Lord... You say that you're my shepherd. I don't know what a shepherd does, but it says there's nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Lord, I don't know that I feel like I get to lie down and rest much in life. But your word says that I I can. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. God, I know that I don't do things for your name quite often but I thank you for leading me anyway. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, I was really scared the other day, and I see how you were there for me in that time. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God, I'll be honest, I don't always feel like my life is overflowing in abundance, but I trust you, and I want to trust you. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. God, I'd like to live in your house. Amen. Right? Like, if you're new to prayer, just do that. Open up to Psalms. Play Bible roulette with Psalms. Open up and just start praying. I knew Ben would like that. And just start praying. Psalms you're safe with. Like, I wouldn't recommend just, like, anywhere in the Bible opening that up and being like, Whoa! Baby, I was reading Song of Solomon. Uh, So, but like simple stuff, that's it. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is starting to let who he is soak us to the point where like, um, where's that cake? Uh, Tres leches, right? You make a tres leches cake, and I don't really like it, but you make it, and then you just like drown it with milk to where the whole thing's almost milk. 
Prayer is kind of like that, and every metaphor breaks down. But prayer is kind of like that. What we're doing is we're trying to seek God, see who he is, and let him just wash over us completely and make us different. Bible reading. Because regular times of Bible reading. So we had worship, regular times of worship, regular times of prayer, and Bible reading. Because how can you expect to hear the call of God? How can you expect to hear the call of God for the sphere of action he has created for you if you don't know what he's already said? So regular Bible reading. And then obedience to what he's already said. This one's key. Like if, if you're saying with your mouth, God, I want to walk in the good works by grace that you have created for me. That if you're saying with your mouth, Lord, I want to do the things that you might have prepared for me to do. His question to you is, what are you doing with what I've already given you? And he wants you to be open and honest with that. Because, again, it's never convic- or condemnation. It's conviction. Because there are m- multiple times where I've been like, God, I've not actually been being obedient to what you have for me. And he's like, okay. So start. I'm like, okay. Obedience. And, uh, the band come up, or worship, or whoever's doing whatever. Um, it's not me. <laughs> Unless we want to go real fast with response time. For response time, I want us to, to think about three things, okay? I want us to take some time and reflect and think on three things. Maybe all three, maybe one of them is, is much more relevant to you. Number one, what is God doing here at Vintage that you need to connect to? What is our church doing that you need to be a part of? Maybe it's foster care. Maybe you need to foster. Maybe it's just serving in some other way in the foster care ministry. Maybe it's missions. Maybe it's, you know that, that, that Randall has talked about different things and you've been like, oh, I really should be a part of that. Maybe it's small groups. Maybe it's giving. Maybe you've been just kind of playing around with like letting God have some of you, but you're like, oh, don't touch it, Jesus. Like, maybe you need to, to, to give. What is looking back on your own? Second is looking back on your own life and your past. If we understand that usually our sphere of action is not divorced from our past, look back and see if God would remind you of something. And you can look back on it and go, okay, Jesus, if you want to use that, I'll be obedient. And thirdly, press into the Holy Spirit. Is there something that the Holy Spirit has been doing impressing upon you as Steve talked about for a while when we talked about hearing the voice of God has there been things that the Holy Spirit has been impressing upon you that you need to yield to and I, I'll add one I didn't have this one written down but if you don't know Jesus then do you need to yield to that if, if you've been coming to church for a while because your parents make you or whatever else and you just need to stop playing around and go all in, then do that too. But we're going we're gonna to take some time to reflect and pray through these things and then I'll be back up to close this out. We, as always, we've got communion on both sides. Um, I highly recommend that communion become a regular habit in your life to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord.